Hey, today we're looking, uh, next week is the end of John, uh, finally, after three years, and then we will uh, study in 1st John uh, to get to the summer, just 1st John. And somebody asked me uh, earlier, well, then we're going to do 2nd and 3rd John in the fall. No, we're going to do Colossians in the fall. We're going to out of the Gospels in the, in the Colossians. But uh, we're looking at a call to the church here. It's a very, very interesting call. We're looking at a time, and you know this passage, you know, you know the time, uh, post-resurrection, Jesus shows up twice in the upper room, and we have a time where Peter gets frustrated. I love it. Um, and as he gets frustrated, he wants to go fishing after breakfast. And, oh, we're going to get back to this. Come back to that. He, he gets frustrated, they go fishing, and when they go fishing, uh, it, it's very interesting. We're going to get what the church is. We're going to get the picture of what the church is. Because we think the church is a building. I'm going to the church. The church isn't a building. The church is us. The church is us. That's my church. No, this is your church. The church is us. The church is us. The church is not a building. It's a, number one. It's a living, breathing organism. We each play a part. There are many metaphors for the church. One of them is the body. And the body is such a cool metaphor because the body has many different parts. Your body has parts that, that do things, that walk, that see, that talk. And it's just like the church. The church has many different gifts and we have many different burdens. And uh, I've got one friend who's a pastor and his burden is foreign missions. I mean, that's his whole world. He loves foreign missions. And, you know, Roby's burden is the city. We've got to win this city. We've got to get out, out there and win this city. And, I mean, he's going after it. And, and it's, it's funny because the first thing he did to do that was this really, really, really ridiculous thing called Waffle Wednesday. And Waffle Wednesday, because the church is across the street from a really, really, really big high school. And so they were over there in the parking lot. There's free waffles over there at the, at the church. And, and uh, kids are coming over. And, and then lots of kids, are, and then hundreds of kids on Wednesdays. And they're hearing the gospel, and their parents are scared. Uh, what's going on? And why is he coming late? And why is he telling me, saying, "Don't pick me up for at the when school's out. Pick me up an hour later, and pick me up. I'm going to show you in the warehouses." And so all of a sudden, parents are coming to church, and parents are, were coming, to, still are coming to Christ in droves, absolutely in droves. And if you walk down the hall at West Pines, they've got these uh, flat screens on the wall that give testimonies. And I stopped by one just to look. And it was a dad that said, I was concerned what my son was doing on Wednesdays. So I came and all of a sudden came to Christ and we were baptized together. It's like, really, waffle Wednesday? How ridiculous is that? Yeah, a burden for the city and a burden to be unorthodox as we get out of here. Yeah, the body, many parts. Also a flock, and that's what we're going to look at today, the flock. But there's another word for the, for the church. Anybody know any other words for the church? You do know this word. I caught you off guard. Temple. Temple. Could be the temple. Yeah. An interesting one, the bride. The bride. And it's a, it's a real picture of developing an intimacy with God. The bride developing an intimacy with God. But also the bride submitting to God. But, you know, it's interesting that he uses that phrase because, you know, you, you get married and partway into the marriage, I mean, I married a gorgeous woman, a uh, homecoming uh, Queen in high school, homecoming court at our university. Never knew she was beautiful. Still doesn't know she's beautiful. Um, but then I realized she wants to talk at night. What's with the talking at night? Uh, and she's gorgeous. And maybe if you put on a nightgown, we'll talk at night. But she, she wants to talk at night. And all of a sudden realizing, and when, when she realized I didn't know how to talk at night, she bought a, she bought a book 
Norm Wright. Norm Wright is the marriage guru, uh, and it was uh, called Communication in Your Marriage. And she said, one night a week, could we just read a chapter of this? And I'm thinking to myself, could we just do anything dorkier on planet Earth? And we're reading a chapter, and she's beautiful, so I'll read the chapter. And then all of a sudden, I realize, wow, we're learning intimacy. And it's so funny. Um, with, we've written 11 books together. One of the books was, is called Great Sex Expectations. And it's about sex and marriage. And I go up to Grand Rapids to present it to the publisher. And usually when you present it to the publisher, it's a round table, and there's three or four uh, people there, and they're asking you questions about the book. Because And when you make it that far, you're done. You're there. They just want to know how to market the book. So I show up for what should be the round table. It's called the pub board meeting. And uh, they take me into the Zondervan Auditorium, and there's like 200 people in there. And uh, about 190 are female, and uh, the other 10 are male. And they wanted to do a Q&A, and one of the ladies asked the greatest question, do you believe a husband and a wife can make love without having intercourse? And I look over to the president of the company, who's a male, and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he failed. <laughs> and how God teaches us and uses her gorgeousness to finally, the Bible says, be naked and not ashamed. Finally open up my chest, my heart, to have a relationship. I want that. I want, that's why I call you the bride. I want that. The bride of Christ. I want an intimacy with you, son, because I know the plans I have for you. So the whole picture here, post-resurrection, and we see, we see, Oh, Jesus, I mean, we see Peter totally whacked. It didn't go like I thought it was supposed to go. I thought he was going to take over the city. That's why I'm the one wearing the sword. Come on. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking in, and they're beating you. I know who you are. You don't have to let them beat you. And then they crucify you? And then you're on the cross saying, Father, forgive them? What did? And I'm so confused. And, I, and I've been there several times in my life when God just hasn't done things the way I thought he should do it. And I just wish he would listen to me every now and then. I can help him a little bit. <laughs> and he doesn't do the things the way I think he should do it. And then, and he, then he takes his time to fix it. And that's better than I dreamed. Better than I dreamed. And the, and the most frustrating times for me here, the first 15 to 20 years when we on the old campus and we're starving to death and, and, I, and I'm begging God, give me another job, give me another job. I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm starving to death. And... Uh, Nobody offered me, this won't surprise you at all, but nobody offered me a job. Uh, so I, had, I couldn't go anywhere, and Rosemary finally said, you know, maybe, and I know, where, Rosemary, I know what you're going to say. Maybe I should just hang in. Um, I'm working a weekend job to pay for all this stuff. Come on. And I, I hate when she goes spiritual like that. And then watching all of a sudden, and I would have missed all this. I would have missed it. All of this, and it happened again on Monday. A lady from a, uh, doing a single parent ministry in Miami, and a guy named Mike Pappas calls and says, "Mike Pappas is with Kai, owns Kai's Real Estate. He says, I've got a friend who's doing a single parent ministry. Can I send her up to talk to you?" And I said, "What's she going to ask? How, how'd you do it?" And I said, "Michael, I said I know. I've heard you say that. You don't know how it works either. Can she just get motivated and come up?" And I showed her these, and she wept. She wept, and then I took her down and showed her the grocery store a truckload of groceries every day from Trader Joe's and the clothing store. And if you come for classes here, if you take the classes, you get a free access, free groceries every week. I mean boxes every week. 
And right after class, you go down and get three work outfits, outfits to go to work in, free. If you just come to the classes. That's why the classes are always overbooked. That's why we have to do so many. And she said, how, how, how I don't know. Michael said you'd say that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Went and asked for Trader Joe's to give us some bottled water. Would you consider, the manager, would you consider donating 2,000 bottles of bottled water for our Goliath Goblin? And somebody else is standing with him. And uh, so finally the other guy steps up and says, uh, tell me about Sheridan House. And I tell him about Sheridan House. He says, how far is it from here? I said, four miles. He said, let's go. And so we're coming and he said, I said, who are you anyway? He said, well, you caught, caught us on a good day. I'm the vice president of Trader Joe's and this is my time to visit here. And I said, you're serious, right? And he starts laughing, yeah. And I get a call sometime later. Come, can you handle a truckload? Well, we can, because Publix gave us two walk, three walk-in freezers. When we finished the talk with this lady in my, from Miami, I said, are you more discouraged? She said, no, I, I, initially I was when I pulled in here. And, and I know you don't take any government funding or United Way funding, or it's just all. And I said, you're right, Jesus doesn't love me more than you. But I had to get out of the way. I had to ask, and the only reason Jesus wants me asking for money is my pride. And I had to get past that. But he does all the rest. The whole deal for Peter here, Peter denied him three times. Peter doesn't understand ministry. Peter doesn't understand ministry. Man, we all need to understand, why do we do this? Why do we do? Why do we give? Why do we speak up? It's for him. Your church is the envelope. You're not going to always agree with your church. Sheridan House is the envelope. You're not going to always agree with what Sheridan House does. In fact, I had two board members resign when we started working with single moms. And it was right when the book Good to Great came out. And you've lost your hedgehog. You've lost just boys, just do boys. That's what you do. Yeah, no, but these boys come from single parent households. Yeah, so John 21, verse 1. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples, and we did this two weeks ago, several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel uh, from Canaan uh, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And can I say, this is so classic. I, can't, I, I just can't stay in this room anymore. It's not going to be crazy. I'm going back to what I know how to do. I'm going back to what I like doing. I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, uh, but they couldn't see who he was. He called out, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. No. He, no. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of fish. So they did, which shocks me that they did it. I mean... Really? Duh. We're fishermen. What are you? We don't even know who you are. They did. They did. And they couldn't draw in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7 says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loves, which means John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Peter heard that, uh, that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for it's good for work, jumped into the, into the water, and swam to shore. The other stayed with the boat, verse 8 says, and pulled the loaded net to shore, for they were only about 300 feet from shore. 
When they got there, they saw a charcoal fire, this is so cool, burning, and fish were frying over it. And there was bread. And you gotta think they're gonna ask each other, where do you get the fish? Where, I mean, where do you get the fish? And I, the beauty of this for me <coughs> is Jesus showing me, I don't need you, Bob. I don't need your tithes and offerings. I'm not in heaven wringing my hands hoping enough comes in to church, share house, wherever. I don't need your help. I allow you to help. I think the, the, the big statement is you don't have to give, you get to give. You get to play a part. Look what he's going to do. Verse 10, he says to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. I'm going to let you play a part in this. So cool. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. Uh, there were 153 large fish, and yet the net didn't break. So it's an obvious miracle. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And no one dared ask him if it was really the Lord, because they knew it for sure. Then, and look, look the boys, this is leadership at its best, verse 13. Then he served them. Gen then Jesus served them. Jesus served them. Really, Jesus served them? Leadership at its best. You've heard this before, but when I, I, speaking in Orlando 10 years plus ago uh, at the annual Chick-fil-A convention, uh, and all the operators from all around the country come to, come to this Orlando convention, and I'm speaking on family to the convention, and I come walking into the Marriott world and uh, go to the concierge desk, hey, my name's Bob Barnes, I'm one of the speakers, and somebody sees me and comes over and uh, says to me, uh, Bob, would you like to meet Truett Cathy? I said, oh, I would really like to meet Truett Cathy, and I'm uh, getting ready to roll, Mike, because when you go do corporates, uh, the head guy's always in a penthouse somewhere, never, never public, and he's in a penthouse, and he's got and it's really, really great food up there. Uh, so I'm ready. And so uh, they said, uh, no, no, leave your, leave your bag here. Uh, and we're walking not towards the elevator. We're walking towards the front. Truett Cathy is outside the front doors helping his people get their luggage out of their car. Really? I thought, wow. How cool was this? And then during the luncheon, uh, just before I speak, I'm sitting next to him and he says, tell me about Sheridan Alice. And I think, this is awesome. He, he's going to build a building here or something. And so we're talking, and then six months or so later, uh, I get asked, can you come to uh, Jonesboro, which is Atlanta? They want to ask you more questions. Turns out, he didn't want to help us. He wanted to build his own. It was awesome. He's built an amazing children's facility outside of Atlanta. How cool is that? Leadership at its best. Serve. The word on him was in the latter parts of his life, he spent a day a week up there breaking all the rules and bringing the kids candy and all these different things and sitting with them in the different houses. And not in the penthouse. Yeah, he served them, it says in verse 13. Verse 14, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Since he had been raised from the dead. Here's the focal passage, verse 15. It says in John 21, 15, after breakfast, and you know it, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? These. What do you think these refers to? We don't really know. Do you love me more than these? 
Any thoughts? Everything. The biggest catch you've ever seen in your life? I mean, do you love me more than this phenomenal financial opportunity? Um, that's what I thought. Rosemary disagrees. Um, do you love me more than these? Because you're not always going to agree with each other. This is such a great church principle. We're not always going to agree. You know, the, the church where I was recently, uh, for th three, and a, three plus years, the interim has just announced the end of the pageant. And uh, right decision, by the way. Pageant ran the church. The end of the Fort Lauderdale Christmas pageant. Whoa. And the Tuesday morning men's Bible study is up in First Baptist Fort Lauderdale. They're waiting by my car. And people that don't even come to the Bible study, they know my car. And it's like, wow. And, and it's like, oh my goodness, folks. And I'm totally out of it, don't want to be a part of it. But to do no ministry from August to January, just do pageant. They're in the greatest location of any church I've ever seen in my life. There's more single moms there that could use help. Wow. Yes, Lord, he said, Peter replied. You know I love you. And then Jesus said, then feed my lambs. The word there for feed means graze. Graze my lambs. Graze my lambs. Feed them. Feed them. Now Jesus, when he asked, do you love me, used the word agape the first time. Agape is an un means unconditional love. Agape is the love a mom has for their baby. Moms are funny about their babies. Moms think their baby's the most beautiful baby in the world. It's absolutely astounding. I mean, and I've seen some seriously ugly babies that mom thinks their baby is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and the baby can do no wrong, and the baby can wake them up at night, and you, do, and you do disgusting things with babies. I mean, changing their diapers and all these different things. But you love it because it's your baby. doesn't matter. So the love a mom has, it, it was so fun when I was down in Chesma watching your wife with your three boys. And watching the little one come to Sunday school class with her, your youngest, you did, and your and your wife being so classic Latin, uh, yes, you're going. And that little boy, I took a shot at your wife after church two weeks ago, and he he was offended. She's laughing. And his wife works here. She's awesome. Our best therapist. He was offended, your youngest, that I took a shot at her for climbing over the fence. It was just hilarious. But at end of the day, this love, this agape. So he says that, but Peter doesn't respond with agape. Do you, Jesus says, do you agape me? Peter says, you, Lord, you know I phileo you. Phileo is brotherly love. City of brotherly love. Phileodelphia. It's the Greek word for a brotherly love. A high fondness. And the problem with Peter, and I get it, I, 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 I could be all in if I knew what you were doing. I don't know what you're doing. What, what, what are you doing? And that's the same with us. I don't know what you're doing, Lord. But for us, we have to know you know what you're doing. That says why it says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You're not going to understand. He's too big for us. He's too amazing for us. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. Simon Peter, do you love me? Same word again, agape. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He responds with phileo again. Then take care of my sheep. 
take care of my sheep. And I have to believe there's a, there's a need for another verse in there for Jesus to look at Peter and say, Peter, why aren't you even looking at me? I don't know if I'm Peter, I'm just baffled and embarrassed and looking down and I can't even make eye contact with Jesus. I just, I can't believe it didn't show up for you. You did show up for me. I even told you before the trial, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. I handed this to you. I prepared you. In fact, I'm going to now three times redeem it. Do you love me? After you denied me three times. But I told you you were going to do it three times. I know everything. I know everything. I'm giving you the assignment. The assignment is the flock. The assignment is take care of the flock. And he goes on to say, then take care of my sheep. Then take care of my sheep. The New American Standard translates that, shepherd my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Flock them up and love them. And there's going to be some obnoxious ones. Now, can I say one thing about sheep that we don't? They're really stupid. Sheep are really stupid. Apparently, they will follow a lead sheep over a cliff. They're that stupid. And if they wander off, they're going to get taken down by a wolf or a lion. They're stupid. Another thing about sheep is if they have not been sheared and it rains and they get wet, when they will get wet and fall over, they can't get themselves back up. It's called casting, cast down. And that's where he uses his staff and pries this fat sheep back up. But they, they and if the, if the herd's moving on, they're done. They're just there. And that's why the dogs have to keep an eye out. Verse 17 says, Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, this is very interesting, do you love me? And this time Jesus uses the word phileo. What do you think? What? what what do you think that means? Why do you think, okay, Jesus goes from unconditional love, agape, to phileo? Any thoughts? Not that we know, but it's interesting. The only thing I can come up with is Jesus is saying, we have to start somewhere, I'll take the phileo. We got to start somewhere. You know, it's Rosemary leading me to Christ, and I had so many questions and she gave me my first Bible, and I set a Wednesday night meeting after church with my pastor, and I have a whole list of questions of ask, asking questions. Um, uh, and he said, bring your Bible. And he could tell the Bible hadn't been opened much. And I, I said, oh, so here's the questions. Now that I'm a Christian, am I allowed to do this? And he said, what does your Bible say? I said, I don't know, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> and, and he said, look in your Bible. And I had, I think it was seven different questions, and Rosemary was in disbelief I was going to ask this man this. Am I allowed to do this? Am I, and I was a total rank pagan. So, I mean, they were pretty blunt questions. And he said, what did your Bible say? What did your Bible say? And I said, I don't know. He said, read the entire New Testament. Come back and ask me these questions. Game changer. But it was Jesus taking me where we're at. I mean, I, I asked him, so I'm dating somebody, are we allowed to have sex? And this poor guy, his name was Spurgeon McCart, um, about as conservative, yeah, Charles Spurgeon, about as conservative as you could possibly get a, a Scotsman in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I, I know he had to go home and tell his wife, you're not going to believe the questions I was asked uh, today. But you can't believe the questions we get asked here. A couple would say, is it wrong for us to go to a script club together as a couple? Yeah. <laughs> You've heard it said you should not commit adultery, but I say if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, Jesus said, 
You've committed adultery with your, her and your heart. Yeah. Should have told them only before noon. <laughs> yes. Wow. I think, Peter, do you flail me? I'm going to, Peter, I'm going to, I'm going to ratchet it down a step. Yeah, we won't go with the big one yet. But you got to get there. Oh, he got there. He was executed giving the gospel. He was executed. All the disciples but one were martyred. One was flayed to death in Ethiopia. They peeled the skin off his body while he was screaming the gospel. Yeah, because they know where they're going. They know where they're going. Peter was grieved, it says, that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I phileo you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, graze them. Peter, take care of them. Take care of the sheep. Take care of the flock. Take care of the flock. Do it. Take care of the flock. We aren't individuals coming to a church. We're a flock. It's not a building. It's not a building. It's a place to come. How do I serve? Where's my area of service? Where's my area of service here? And for somebody to say, my church just isn't meeting my needs. Church isn't here. It's not Walmart. It's not here to meet your needs. It's a place you get to serve. It's like going to a workout facility and sitting for an hour and drinking whatever and then leaving. You know, that, that workout facility is not meeting my needs. I'm supposed to have the privilege of serving. But we're so needs-oriented. You know, it's, it's a bad thing to say to me in the counseling room. My wife's not meeting my needs anymore. You didn't take vows till needs to us part. My job is to serve him by serving her. To serve him by washing her feet. Period. His job is to be the Holy Spirit in her life and to change her. Yeah. But what happens is we get discouraged in the walk. And the Bible calls it cast down. In Psalm 37:23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him in his hand. Yeah. Why? Why art thou cast down, my soul, oh my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. That's King James. The NLT, instead of cast down, why am I discouraged? It's such a visual of a sheep on its side. Can't get up, can't get up, can't get up. Am I going to be here forever? And the discouragement here. Yeah. Why art thou cast down? No. Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will put my hope in God. Can I tell you something that was so fun yesterday morning? The first lady in the second home, in the Renault home, the first lady in that home uh, doesn't go to work till noon, so she's coming to the morning Bible study. And somebody we were talking, somebody delivered a massive amount of cookies here. And so I came in and got her. She was sitting in that seat right there. And I came in and got her and uh, said, can I show you something in the kitchen? And there was 125 ladies here. Uh, and I went to one of the ladies and said, would you help her with these cookies? And I said, would you help us? Would you take some of these cookies with you when you leave? And then Renee ra wrapped it up. She said, and we have two pizzas that were dropped off. Can you take the pizzas? And I'm watching her in dismay. And she comes back and sits down, and I'm looking in the door at her, and she's wiping her face. And it wasn't for cookies. And it, and it wasn't for pizza. It was for hope. The pizza was whole. 
I can't believe this is happening. I was living in my car and rubbing my children down and dropping them off at school. And now this, yeah. Why am I discouraged? Yeah. The flock serves to keep us upright, walking in the right direction. Walking in the right direction. We are the flock. One of, one of the purposes is to come together and be together. And when we see one of us, a friend, and you alluded to that, Harvey, when we see one of us or don't see one of us, where you've been, then it's our job as part of the flock. Hey, everything, everything good? Everything okay? Everything okay? I haven't seen you in a while. I'm seeing you at church in a while. I'm seeing you at Bible study. Everything okay? Is everything okay? And most of the time, they won't respond because we're men and we have to pursue it a little more. You want to get some lunch sometime. We have to go after it. Yeah, Isaiah 53, 6. All of us have strayed from the flock. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on himself the guilt and sins of us all. Yeah, the shepherd will take on the lions. The lions. The flock metaphor gives us a picture of how the church is supposed to stay together and work together. We're to come together for safety. We're to come together for safety. Yeah, all of us have strayed like sheep. We, we, we need to flock up, come together for safety. Because 1 Peter 5.8, be careful. Watch out for the attacks of the devil, your great enemy. He prowls like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. The devil can't have me. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. So he will try to discourage me, distract me, tempt me. And this picture here of the devil just watching the flock. Oh, there's a weak one. There, there, there's Bobby Barnes, a weak one right now. And I, I know his temptation proneness. I know what it is. So let me let me come after that. But there's another one, letter B. We are to come together for encouragement, to be encouraging each other. And I love honest people. Well, when you're walking into church and, and it, uh, usually at the, at the church where I'm the interim, which I'm not doing anymore, by the way, but the church where I'm the interim, um, asking people how they're doing, and most of them say, oh, great. And there was this one guy that would say fantastic all the time. And nobody, I, you know, I just want to smack him. Nobody's fantastic all the time. You still doing good? You doing great now? Yeah. It's like, really? And I love when people come up and say, and I say, how are you doing? Say, oh, it's not, a, not been a great week. Can I pray for you? And I give them a moment in case they want to tell me what it is. And if they don't, that's fine. I got those weeks. I got those weeks. Yeah, Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? I, we are to come together for direction. Then take care of the sheep and keep them going in the right direction. Keep them going in the right direction. And in the right direction, it's very interesting because when you would take your flock, your flock, your flock, and your flock, and you all show up at Bethlehem, and Bethlehem was one of the top places for sheep. The temple kept the temple herd out there. Massive, massive, massive corral thing. <coughs> I don't think they call it that, but whatever it is. So you would bring your herd, you would bring, we'd all put them in the same corral. And you'd think they're going to get mixed up. I mean... Do you, do you have branding? No. They did it a different way. And, and we're told that in, in two passages. One is in John 10, 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In verse 27, it says, My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. So he comes to the gate, 
He does whatever he does to call, and his nope, other sheep don't come out. The key here is, as a flock, we're, we need to help each other hear the shepherd's voice. I, I grew up in a different world, uh, obviously, at my age. I grew up in the Italian section of Long Island, and uh, it, it'd be interesting. That's when you were allowed to just go. And I'd go, and my mom could whistle. My mom was a, was a farmer from Colorado, and I'd be over in the baseball field, and it would, it would be as far away as the single mom, maybe a little more, uh, triplexes. And she'd whistle, and sometimes I'd hear it, and sometimes I wouldn't, sometimes Barry hear it. Hey, that's your mom, man. I knew it was time to go home for lunch, for dinner. Yeah. We need to come together in the flock to help each other hear the Lord's voice. I'm thinking about doing such and such. Can I get lunch with you and just talk about what I'm thinking about doing and, and get you to pray? Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. You know, one of the times I was getting ready uh, to leave here 25, 30 years ago, and I don't know whether it was you, Harvey, or somebody else I went out to lunch with, and I think it was you, because you asked me, you made a statement. So it sounds like you're leaving for this other ministry because of money. Well, it, 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 it's a lot more money. I know you've said that to me three times since we've been meeting. Is that the right reason to leave? And I was upset when I walked away from that. And first I was upset at you, and then I was upset at me, realizing, wow, it was about the money. It was. And there was another time when a group came to town from Colorado Springs and took us out to eat, Rosemary and I, and to, to ask, offer me a job. And honestly, I didn't listen to them until they told me the money. And this is hilarious. And it was three times what I make here. And, and we're getting in the car to leave, and Rosemary says, that was disgusting. And I said, what? She said, when they told you the money, you leaned in. I said, I did not lean in. She said, oh, oh, yeah. You weren't even listening. They told you the money, and all of a sudden, you're really listening. Yeah, well, Rosemary, I mean, wow, what more could we have? There's nothing more we could have. We have everything we've ever dreamed of and beyond. Flocking up to hear each other and to listen to each other. Yeah, there's another one. We're to come together to weather the storms, to weather the storms, to deal with the storms of life. Yeah. I, 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 if I were a pastor, I would have a giant warehouse. And during hurricane season, I would keep so much water in that warehouse, it would be ridiculous. And I, we, I'd start buying a massive amount of generators. And I'd go through the neighborhoods around the church and say, can we help, can we help, can we help? For the name of our church, we did that at Wayside Baptist Church, and instead of putting another ministry on, Wayside Baptist Church and Randy Nobles got us a, a massive, massive truckload of uh, generators and water from Birmingham when Andrew hit. And we just went up and down the streets by Wayside Baptist Church, and they were terrified we were selling them, scamming them. This is for you. Well, how much? It's for you. It's from Wayside Baptist Church. And they're going to start having gas. And we sent somebody over to Naples to get gas on a regular basis. Revival broke out at Wayside. It was amazing how many people came to church. Yeah, during the storms. Next, we are loyal to each other, loyal to our flock, loyal to our flock. Yeah, loyal to our flock. Number four, together the flock learns to follow the good shepherd. This is really, really important. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. It's one of the great I am statements. 
love our pastor, serve our pastor, we're following the good shepherd, not following the pastor. He's the under-shepherd. Under-shepherds, there's a passage that talks about, well, it says in verse 12 of John 10, 11, when he says, I'm the good shepherd, in verse 12, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. I love pastors. Loyal to my pastor. Generous to my pastor. But he won't be there forever. And today the average pastor stays three and a half years. Loyal to God. Loyal to God. It says the under-shepherd will run when times get tough. I am the good shepherd. You know, the under-shepherd is responsible to the owner of the flock, God, not to the flock. And when the flock starts whining for stuff, it's his flock. Not, not your flock, not the church's flock, not the people who've been there for 100 years' flock. It's his flock, period. Yeah, the whole picture here is we need to flock up. It's a people. It's a people. It's not a building. It's not the way we've done things for 50 years. It's a people and taking care of each other. And one of the coolest days uh, of my time at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale was there was a lady that would always come in and park in the handicap, probably close to 90 years old, and get out. And we watched her slide down her car to go in the back and get out her walker. And Kurt and I saw that. And, and Kurt and I started walking over whenever Miss Faye would show up and we would go help her get her, get her thing out and she would thank us. And, and Kurt looked down at her tires and uh, he said, look at her tires. And I said, oh my goodness. So I caught up to Miss Faye and said, can I have the keys to your car? And she said, why? I said, because you need tires. She said, I can't afford tires. I know, can I have the keys to your car? Can I tell you from here to that circle of the parking. This is the parking lot of First Baptist Fort Lauderdale. Our circle right there, tire kingdom. And they're open on Sundays. And so I said to Kirk, go through the lobby, collect some money. We get with all the guys in the lobby. Um, I'm in for 100, collect some money. We're gonna buy our tires right now. And it was amazing. And when she came back, that was worth thousands to our heart checking out the flock, checking out the flock. We're called to check out the widows. We're called to check out the widows, yeah. The flock is God's design to help individuals come together into a community that helps each other learn to distinguish the shepherd's voice. Yeah, you don't have to know, Peter. You don't have to know what's going on. You don't have to understand. You have to be generous with your efforts, generous with your words, generous with your resources, generous with your gifts, yeah and obedient and have the guts to love your the rest of the flock the other sheep enough to say is that okay what you're doing so i'm at chili's years and years ago uh in a meeting and i see a friend walk in uh with somebody a woman who's not his wife for lunch and uh walk over to the table to make sure he saw i saw and uh call him later on that afternoon who was that and he said well that's one of the ladies at work and i said so does your wife know you're having lunch with her um why you didn't answer the question. Bob, I'm not doing anything. You don't have to. It's called the appearance of evil. If you walked into a restaurant and saw your wife having lunch with a man, would that bless you? It's called the appearance of evil. These are hard things to do when we like to mind our own business. Flock. Flock. It was months before he would talk to me again, and it was a couple of years before he said thank you. I said, oh, 
I learned that from Billy Graham. Not that you would do anything, but can I say no one wakes up in the morning and says, never thought about this before, but I think I'm going to have an affair today. It's a slow, the devil prowling like a roaring lion. It's the job of the flock to come alongside each other. 